0: 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you want to look at this verse from a past tense perspective, then anyone that says that they have, that this truly describes them literally, is lying through their teeth. Oh, but it does mean, no, 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 sorry. This is a promise. And in getting to this verse is a process. Hallelujah. And way too many believers have looked at this verse as an impossibility. And so they don't even attempt To submit to the process I'm, I don't normally do this uh, but I've got a title for you this morning from the beginning the God of new beginnings you may be seated I was uh, I preached in yesterday, last Sunday morning and Hope uh, Joel's oldest rode with me and we were on 50 crossing the Severn River Bridge and off to the right the water on her side of the vehicle the, the water was frozen and she said Dad, Dad, look at that. The water's all frozen. And I said, yeah a long time ago in the early part of the last century uh The uh, Chesapeake Bay froze over. Severn River froze over. She said, Dad, Dad, did you see that? I said, Hope. That happened, I think, in the 20s and 30s, and I was born in 46, so no, I didn't see that. But I do have 70, almost 72 years of experiencing new beginnings. Our God is eternal and unchangeable. He is eternal and unchangeable. But He did not create us with His substance. The angels were created with His substance. They are spirit beings. But He did not create us with His substance. In fact, there's a couple of verses in the Old Testament that are very encouraging. And uh, one is in Psalm 78. It says... uh, Uh, Let's try verse uh, 35. I'll read a few verses. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all of his wrath. For he remembered that they were flesh, they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away, and cometh not again. And then Psalms 103, and I'm going to read several verses here again if you don't mind. Psalms 103, verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. It cracks me up when people misquote the verse, You're going to reap what you sow. Meaning, when something doesn't go their way, it's because they're reaping for their sin. I'm very sorry. I don't want to call anybody a name, so I won't use the word stupid and whatever. It's just not very perceptive of you. Because if it's going to take an eternity in hell to pay for our sins, your little life's inconveniences aren't because you're reaping for your sins. And this is the proof of that. For he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He has not. We would not be here today if he did. If it took the cross and the horrible death he died to redeem us from sin, And it takes an eternal punishment in hell to pay for sins. What you think is negative circumstances that are going bad because you have done wrong. You see, I was taught that growing up. I was taught that if you did the will of God, everything was going to go well. And if things weren't going well, you were out of the will of God. I was taught that. And it didn't, it didn't allow you to endure life. Because you were either always accusing God of failing you or accusing yourself of deserving whatever is happening. And there was no trust and there was no faith involved in that. And uh, I remember the day back on Windsor Avenue in the 70s. I'm in my office and things are going difficult. And I said to God, what have I done wrong? If you just tell me, I'd repent. And he said, what did Job do wrong? what did my apostles do wrong that were beheaded? What did Paul do wrong to cause his life to end in a dungeon with its head being separated from his body? What did he do wrong? And the problem with that mentality is it turns all of this into a performance-oriented thing. In case you do not know it, I'm on a crusade. I'm on a crusade against the Christian religion. Because true Christianity is not a religion. And practicing it as a religion is a lie, it's heresy. It's the most negative thing that you possibly could be involved in. Because you can't ever be saved by any religion, including Christianity. And if you somehow managed, even for some period of time, to dot all the I's and cross all the T's without any failure, that's not going to save you. Because the problem is, that doesn't last. When the great apostle Paul said, those things I would do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. And he says, in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And the King James says, and most translations say, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Greek word there is not the normal word for thanks. It is the Greek word C-H-A-R-I-S, which is normally translated grace. So the only way I can be delivered from this wretched man I am is to acknowledge my need of the grace of God. And what is the grace of God? Philippians 2.13 For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if you feel like you're doing pretty good, you're doing really bad. If you think you're a really good person, You're going where all good people go. Hell is going to be full of good people. Heaven's going to be full of bad people. Because bad people are the ones that realize they need to be saved. And good people think they're being good enough to deserve salvation. And that's a lie. The cross says that's a lie. If anybody could be good enough as a person to be saved then there's no need for the cross. The cross is a sham. It's fake. It's false. If you can be a good enough person to be saved by your goodness, then the cross is an absolute lie. And we're fools for getting out of bed and coming here this morning in this kind of weather. Of course, it wouldn't keep us from going to work, but it does keep people from going to church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Right. Right. Because every attempt to go to heaven because of my goodness steals the glory of God. Because whoever empowers my goodness gets the credit and glory for it. But Paul didn't just say that it's God that works in me to do what pleases God. He says, I can't even take credit for the desire to please God. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the Greek word there for will is wish, want, or desire. I can't even take credit for my desire to be saved. Well, then how can God send somebody to hell? if they never desired because my book says he's working in every man but they we reject his empowerment to give us the desire i my wife and i had a chance to spend uh some time yesterday with brother and sister libby and uh i know this is being streamed and i'm hesitant to say this but it has become public, and so uh, Brother Libby has Alzheimer's in the uh, earlier stages, and uh, we're trying to be there for him and her. In case you don't know, uh, the Lord was gracious enough to me to let me be the one to knock on their door and see them saved, and so I have, needless to say, a very special connection with them. And We were talking uh, yesterday and we're talking about, I mean, you know, (laughs) the words 72 and me don't fit in the same sentence. I don't know how that works. And my wife and I are celebrating our 50th year this year. Uh, The year will, the 50th year will conclude on the day we got married you don't begin the 50th year on your anniversary you end the 50th year on your anniversary because you get married on zero and your first anniversary is the conclusion of your first year so if that's the case then we're in our 50th year all right sorry but so and we were sitting the other morning and talking she said Does it just seem weird to you to say 50? Yeah, it really does. It's not that it feels that it's bad. It's just it doesn't compute. 50. Now, if you told me you'd been married 50 years, I'd go, Whoa, you've been around a long time. But in my brain, being married 50 years... I don't even know how that's possible, but here it is, and uh, hallelujah, and he made a statement, Brother Libby made a statement yesterday, he said, you know, I've come to the conclusion that the very best day of your life is your first day, and it's all downhill from there, and I said, yes, yes. I agree with that. And I agree with it for this purpose. And some of you have heard me teach this before, but this life is the second womb. In your first womb, the only thing that was created was your physical being. But this life is the womb where your character, knowledge, wisdom, understanding all comes about and is developed that's why it's not a question of whether you've done it perfectly or will do it perfectly because this life is abbreviated for the purpose of it just being a learning experience because He promised us eternal life, and he has an eternal plan. And while I am living my life wholly to be in the right place and a part of the right thing when that life comes, I am not volunteering to leave here just yet. I have way more things that I have believed to see and be a part of uh, that have not happened as those that have happened and so therefore I'm not volunteering to leave here and I'm not helping it out in spite of eating whoppers praise God Uh, but That's why you leave this life at your the smartest you've ever been. You leave this life with the most experience you've ever had. And unless you die in a sudden accident where there's not even a moment's time to think, the dying process itself is a focuser. I don't know if there's a. I made. I might have just made that word up. But you got the point. Because it brings you into focus. It gives you an opportunity to re-examine everything you thought was important. And even if you don't get the opportunity to live out that new understanding, you leave this life with that understanding. The Lord said that uh, he said, I'm, I'm the God of the living, not of the dead. He said, have you not read where it says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Now, I don't know if you got that point, okay? But the point is he didn't say, I was And he's not speaking rhetorically. The point he's trying to make is. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob didn't cease to be at death. And neither are they asleep. Well the Bible talks about sleep. Yes. Your body may sleep. But you. That lives in that house or body. Will never sleep. That's why. Lazarus, laying at the rich man's gate, when he passed, he was a musher, ushered immediately into paradise. And the rich man, who could have cared, cared less about Lazarus, when he died, he immediately opened his eyes in fire right then. Not down the road somewhere. Now, It is really easy to get caught up in this world and all the politics and problems of it. And this become your whole focus. And you miss the fact every moment the clock is ticking and the pages on the calendar of turning over. And if you give your whole life to this life, here's what the Bible says about you. If you have hope in this life only, you're of all men most miserable. Because the only thing that really ever, ever, truly gives purpose to this life is the hope that it's not over with and won't be over with and that my preparation for the next life is guaranteeing me as I cooperate with him, it guarantees me that I know where I'm going. He said, whoever believes in me shall never die. I've told this story before, but in March of 2006, I was standing by by my dad's bedside. Our whole family had gathered in the room. We were called in at eight that morning and the doctor said, today's the day. He won't live out today. He was conscious. We were very thankful for that. He had a breathing tube in. He could not communicate with us, but his eyes were open, followed us around the room he would uh, blink or nod, try to communicate with us, but we knew he was there. And we were singing and praising God together. And uh, I was so tore up, I could not, I couldn't hardly sing. And I'm standing by his bed, I got one hand of his in my hand and the other hand on his shoulder. I'm trying to sing and, it's almost exactly noon, and I knew that because it was a clock on the wall right above his bed. And right at noon, I don't mean to the second, but the minute and hour hands were essentially lined up. I heard this voice say to me, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And that's the last tear I ever cried for him. I was raised in the Navy. I knew what it meant to get orders, and we lived in, in this, and I don't even know, I'm, I know I'm weird, it's okay, I accept that. But the other, a couple of months ago, I, for some reason, I remembered the addresses of the houses I lived in as a kid. I started writing them down, and got them all. And then I wrote down the ones my wife and I have lived in, and I had a whole list of this. <laughs> and so Joel, a couple of weeks ago, says, uh, t- sends me a text, Dad. Um, I'm trying to tell the kids all the places you live because my sons have never lived any place but Maryland. I can't relate to that. And he said, uh, Can you remember? Can you? Would you? Tell me those places. About 20 seconds later, when he got the email list, he said, Why am I not surprised? (laughs) So I remember, I remember packing everything up. This place had been our house, our home, most of the time, two years, three years, a couple of times shorter than that, once or twice, a little longer. This, is, this was our home. But we packed everything up, and the whole family moved to a completely different part of the nation. And we found a new house, and we moved in there. We didn't cease being the same family. My dad was still the dad. My mom was still the mom. My brother was still the brother. My sister wasn't born yet most of the time. So immediately when, when I heard the voice say, Absent from the body is present with the Lord. I understood what was happening that day. My dad, he received orders to change houses, to change locations. He wasn't going to cease to be. He wasn't even losing consciousness. He was just leaving that body for another place. But if your whole life is about this, you don't have that. You don't have that. And trust me, in our world today, where the Bible says it's headed, if you don't have hope, I don't know how you're going to survive this. There is nothing worth not having hope. There's no amount of money. There's no relationship. There's nothing, nothing worth not having hope. Nothing, and I don't, please understand, I'm not trying to be unkind here, nothing and nobody is worth not having hope. I told my wife as a young man when we first got married, I said, I love you and I've made vows to stay with you. But I'm strongly making this suggestion to you. Do not ever put me in the place of having to choose between you and God. You're not going to like the outcome of that. Did you mean that just as much today celebrating 50 as I did when I first said it? I hate to say this, we're not even going to be married in heaven. Not the church. In eternity, there are going to be people living on the earth. They're going to marry and give them marriage and whatever, but the church is the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And he's the only husband we're going to have. I will know her, but I will not have a relationship with her as my wife. And as much as I love her, and I love her more than anything and anyone on this entire earth except Jesus, I am not trading my hope for her. Not happening. She has spoiled me rotten. I can't ever imagine being single again. And I am so selfish. If one of us has got to leave, I want it to be me first. Because she would survive. I don't know how I would. She understands how weird I am. She understands I never live here and now. Never live here and now. She accepts the fact that I'm always living somewhere out there. And so she has made peace with taking care of our normal daily stuff to allow me to be that. I can't imagine another human being on earth being willing to make the sacrifices she's made To let me be me. I'm not saying there isn't anybody out there, but I don't want to have to look for them. God is unchangeable. There's another problem here for us humans. His plan is unchangeable. He's not changing his plan for anybody. He's not altering his plan for anybody. What you and I think is just, right, and good frequently is at odds with what he thinks is just and right and good. And we can put our human perspective on him and our human judgment on him and say that if he does this, that, or the other, it's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> but it's just like preaching. I got the mic. <laughs> Judgment is going to be just like that. Your opinion and my opinions are absolutely going to be totally irrelevant. Standing before that throne that day. So he says, Psalms uh, 103 verse uh again he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities for as the heaven here it is now listen for as the heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that fear him as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our transgressions from, from, from us like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him why? For he knoweth our frame and re- he remembereth that we are dust. Now I'm a bigger pile of dust than I was 50 years ago. But I'm still dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the fields, so he, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. up That's qualified. Upon them that fear him. That means they have reverence for him. They acknowledge who he is. And that he is creator, God. He is savior. He is all of that. And I can't be any of those things to myself or do any of these, those things for me. He is the only source of that. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness under children's children, to such as keep his covenant, covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. It's Isn't that really amazing? It's so Amazing. That all of this is offered. But man gets so bogged down in today. This moment. How do I feel this moment? How are things going for me this moment? That I totally lose sight of the fact. I have an appointment that I can't avoid. Again I was talking to Brother Libby yesterday and made the statement. You know all of this is really true but to be lost is hard some people think it's hard to be a christian no it's hard to be lost because i have to constantly reject and refuse the efforts of the love of god to get my attention He lets nobody just walk off in the sunset and deny him and go their way and leaves them alone without making effort after effort after effort. The problem is what they see, what is his acts of love to get their attention and to remind them they are just dust. And that all of this is as a puff of grass. It's like the grass of the field that is here one moment in the the oven tomorrow all of his efforts to communicate to us how temporal this is, how temporary this is, they see as unkindness. They see as him infringing in their lives. His compassion. that does everything he can to get your attention and get you to focus on something beyond yourself and to realize and acknowledge what's beyond this life. His love is constantly working. There is It is possible to finally convince him that you don't want him and you don't even want him in your knowledge. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. If you go to uh, Romans chapter 1, please, and verse 28. I'd love to spend some time with this, but I can't. Not, there isn't time here this morning, even though I started early. Whatever that means. Verse 28 says, the King James Version, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. Well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? No, because if I go back up to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for there is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written "The just shall live from fa- by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, and the word hold there means to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Why? Because that which may be known of God it's manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Huh. I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I, it, I don't mean, I'm, I'm not apologizing. I'm just, just it grieves me that's a better way of putting it that intelligent people could believe such drivel. So you believe all of this happened because of a big bang? Fine. who tell me who set off the bang? And who created the material that went bang? Because if all you want to go back to is the bang, you're not going back to the beginning, are you? You want to deny the beginning. So who created the material that went bang? And who set off the bang? Oh, they can't answer that, can they? Because it doesn't work. Oh, wait a second. Isn't an explosion chaos? And the universe is such a part of an explosion that the stars have been in the exact same spot allowing mariners to cross trackless seas by judging their position and plotting it on a chart consistently for thousands of years. And that's chaos. In fact, the only thing in the entire creation that doesn't abide by God's authority is man. Everything else. He promised, he promised, for as long as the earth, earth of the world endureth, there will be seed time and harvest. And you know what? There's not very many of us sitting here today who look like we're missing the benefits of seed time and harvest. So we're living as absolute proof that He keeps His Word. He keeps His Word. So, how is all this so random? I read this one day and it kind of, I don't, you know, whatever. It was... Somebody said to believe that all of this was a coincidental accidental spark set-off blast that created all this is like believing you could take all the raw materials that make up a uh, no what is my mind just went blank. Rolex, put in a box, and if you shake all those wrong materials all, long enough, they will one day just accidentally become a Rolex. Seriously, how do intelligent people believe such stuff? Well, that's what they taught in school. Yes. And why is it that we want to believe such stuff? Why? Well, the book tells us. For the invisible things of him, this is verse 20, Uh, From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God; neither were thankful, because, but because, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. No comment. All i got to say is the Word of God is true, isn't it? And change the glory... Of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up. Second time it says it. To vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned their lust one toward another. I, I didn't write this. This is in the book. And likewise also men, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned their lust one toward another. Men working with men, that which is unseemly and receiveth in themselves that recompense of their error that was meet. And even as they, all of that brings us to this, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, that may not make as much sense to you, but I got I got something for you to read. Oh, no. It didn't. It didn't download yet. I'll just read this one. This is the Expanded Bible. And since just as people did not think it was important, considering it worthwhile, see fit, to have a true knowledge or uh, acknowledge God, so God abandoned them, allowed them to pursue, gave them over to their own worthless thinking to do those things that are not, should not do. Does anybody have waste loaded? I thought it loaded, but it didn't load. i got to reload it. Apple has managed to finally catch up with Microsoft because they now have, are allowing their marketing to pass their product development. So now all the frustrations I used to have with Mark, with Microsoft, I now have with Apple. So here's Weiss, verse 28. Listen to this carefully. And even as after putting God to the test for the purpose of approving him should he meet their expectations and finding that he did not, they disapproved of holding him in their full and precise knowledge. God gave them up to a mind that would not meet the test for that which a mind was meant to practice those things which were not becoming, or fitting. Thank you.
1: What is that saying?
0: That's saying the reason God gave them up was because they put him to the test to see if he would meet their expectations of what a God was supposed to be. And he didn't meet their expectations of what a God was supposed to be. And so they chose to not even have them in their knowledge. And his response to that, he just fixed their brains where it would never work to do what a mind was supposed to do again. Meaning, King James' word is reprobate. A mind that no longer has any capability of judging accurately between right and wrong, good and bad. That's a terrible thing for God to do. No, 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 no. No. How many times in Romans 1 does it talk about all the efforts God made and every one of his efforts were rejected by man until finally he said, okay, you don't want me? You don't have to wait till the judgment to find out your destination because right now I completely eliminate the ability of your mind to see things from my perspective. You know, the America I was raised in, you could have discussions with people that didn't see what you saw, didn't believe what you believed. But we can't even talk today. Why? Because people have lost their minds. Oh, wait. I'm not meaning that sarcastically or rhetorically. I mean that much of... Not much. Thank God, not much. But portions of our society have given themselves so far over to unbiblical things. And God says, you don't want me and my word in your mind? I don't measure up to what you think a God ought to be. Well, you don't measure up to what my creation ought to be. So I'm not waiting till the last moment. You see, I said it's hard to be lost. It is. It is. Every difficult day, every pain I have, every hair that falls out, every ache I may have in my body when I get up in the morning is telling me if I'm listening, this life is short. This life is short. This life is short. This life is short. Yeah. Because this is not what this life is about. If you have hope in this life only, you're of all men most miserable. you know what, I've lived long enough and now I've been in the ministry long enough. This is my 50th year of being in the ministry. I have watched people's lives crumble. And I've watched two different reactions all together. I've watched those who trust the Father, believe He loves them, And knows this is only a part of the process. So they endure and make it through that. And I've watched other people go through the exact same things. And they get angry. And pitch a fit with God. And call Him all kind of names. And then go out and prove they can do what they want to do, how they want to do it. Not even realizing what they're doing. I don't know how many thousands totally that have been baptized and received the Holy Ghost here in 47 years. It is easily in excess of 7,500. Where are they all? A lot of places. I I run into people all over the country and around the world who were saved here that are still giving themselves to God and I'm thrilled about that they don't have to be here for me to count them to believe that they they belong to the Father and he's counting we are not trying to be a mega church that's why we keep dividing we're not trying to get people to drive 20, 30, 40 50 miles to our location we're trying to take the gospel to people the problem with that it keeps it makes us look small But it's not about looks; it's about obeying the the word to take the gospel to every creature that's what it's about that's what it's about but <sighs> i I honestly there's not one single individual, no matter how they've lived, if they're not a child of God today, no matter what they've done no matter what they've said about me or this church, that I would not be absolutely thrilled to the depth of my being to watch them walk through that back door and renew their relationship with Jesus. Not one single individual. Not one. If they were away from God, to hear, and I've and this has happened a lot, uh, to hear that so-and-so that used to come here and is, when it walked away from God has come back to him in such and such a place and whatever, that's that's thrilling to me. Because I, there's not one person I want to see lost. You may have people that have hurt you you don't believe God can forgive. If he can't forgive them, he can't forgive you. Because we're the only ones that measure sin And qualify and quantify sin. We're the only ones. We're the ones that make lies. Little lies and big lies. Little sins and big sins. Because we don't recognize that any sin is an affront against the Creator God. That's why David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Well, it must not have been a very big thing he did, right? No. Let's see. He committed adultery with a woman. She got pregnant. And to cover up his sin, she had he had her husband, who was out fighting in the army, put in a very uh, precarious situation so that he would be killed. And now David could marry this woman and cover up his sin. And yet when he came to repentance, he realized, did he sin against the woman? Yes. Did he sin against her husband? Yes. Did he sin against the people of God as their leader? Yes. But he saw the ultimate, the ultimate one affected by his sin against thee. And thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. It's the and the only. So I said all that to get to this point. While God is unchangeable, if you think about it, He designed life so that every 24 hours we're reminded of a new beginning. 24 hours can seem like a long time. It can seem like the blink of an eye. It doesn't change. Our circumstances change. What's going on in those 24 hours change. But the point is, weeping may endure for the night. But there's a new beginning coming in the morning. He, he designed that to say to you and I, <laughs> to say to you and I, i I know the flesh that you 're living in, I know its weaknesses. I know how difficult it is uh, for that flesh to do anything right and good but but there 's a new beginning there 's a new beginning this 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 is these are some verses that i I pray almost every morning it 's in lamentations chapter three verse twenty two verses twenty two and twenty three It is of the lord 's mercies. That we are not consumed. Because his compassions, plural, fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of new beginnings. Every morning he's saying, okay, this is a new day. This is a new day. Here's a new opportunity. Yesterday might have been good or bad, but this is a new day. This is a new time. You know what? We're we we we're all procrastinators. I'm going to change tomorrow. I'm going to change next week. But tomorrow never gets here because when tomorrow gets here, it's today. That makes it not tomorrow. And I, it's too easy to put off changing tomorrow because the Lord wants me to know. That every day is a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning. And then he designed all of this. And in this particular case, planet Earth revolving around this small star called our sun, it, it makes this full rotra- rotation or whatever every approximately 365 days. Of course, that's not accurate because every four years we've got to do a correction. But the bottom line is, this is January 7th, 2018. Seven days ago, we celebrated another type of new beginning. Man has recognized this for years. We make fun of them and whatever, but is there anybody that doesn't in their heart of hearts, whether you tell anybody about it or not, Determine that this year I'm going to be different than last year? Is there anybody? We all might make fun of it. But there's something programmed into us. This is a new year. Well, who designed that? The God of new beginnings. It's not facetious. It's not funny. It's not a, it's not a joke. It's not any, it's none of that. He designed life, this temporary existence, so that it would have all these brand new opportunities for you to start again or to go from here. He designed all that. He designed all that. You know, some days you get up. And you pray first thing and you have great prayer and you go through that whole day and you just fellowship with Jesus and everything is wonderful, right? And the next day you get up and you plan on praying. And it's 10 o'clock and I'm still going to pray today and it's... Noon and I'm planning on praying today, and it's two. I plan on praying, and it's, it's six, and I'm gonna plan on praying, and 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 now it's nine, and I'm I'll pray in the morning. And you know what he intends? He doesn't intend for you to carry over yesterday into today to today. Okay, yesterday was great, or yesterday was far from great. But I got a new opportunity today. I've got a day, a o- time for a new beginning today. Today, I've got an opportunity today. I've got a, t- I got a new day to let him help me do what's right. I've got a new day to get closer to him. I've got a new t- opportunity. To see what's real and what's not real—it's a new deal. We give ourselves to so much stuff. I, I've, I've played sports all my life. I still try to play a little golf once in a while. It doesn't happen very much, but I still can do that. I'm not that old. Okay. Now I don't choose to run. Unless it's the only way to get to my gate and not miss my plane. <laughs> Trust me, that's the only running I do on purpose. And it happens occasionally. And I surprise myself. But I don't surprise myself to want to keep enough to want to keep doing it. But, you know, tonight, tomorrow night, the college football season will be over because it's the national championship game. And yesterday, the NFL playoffs started. And in four weeks, someone will win the Super Bowl. And do you know how long that lasts? Oh, Monday morning. Because only one team is basking in that. Every other team is already planning for next year. I like football. I really do. It was my favorite sport as a kid. And it's still my favorite sport to to watch. Uh, My boys played basketball, so I really like college basketball. And I'm one of those long-suffering Orioles fans Who's a masochist. (laughs) Because any of you that were going into this season with hope, you're of all men most miserable. (laughs) Because they are not, they're not only not going to win the World Series, they're probably not going to get into the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? So how much attention? There are radio stations that talk about this stuff all day long. And if you listen to people talk about it, you go, really? Your life is so wrapped up in this, it sounds like this is life or death. It's life or death. I've got friends that live in Columbus, Ohio. There's a few Ohioites or whatever you call them here in the house. I couldn't believe it the first time I went there. One of the guys I was riding with had a station on. I said, what's that? It's like May. Oh, they're talking Ohio State football. I said, this is May. Oh, it doesn't matter. This station talks Ohio State football 12 months a year. I'm going, oh, oh yeah. I go, okay. Yeah. Yes. We give our time, attention and energy to so many things it's not that they're wrong if they're kept in the right place right it's that we rarely keep them in the right place oh well it's it's the same thing People that are constantly trying to get more education, those that are constantly trying to get more money. And and, and it, it, it's fine to be educated. It's fine to have more money. Unless that's your life. Unless that defines your existence. What did the guy say? His fields had brought forth plentifully, and he said, what will I do? I will tear down these barns and build bigger and say to my soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And that night, he was visited by the angel of the Lord and said, This night your soul's going to be required of you. Now, whose is all this stuff going to be that you've provided? Whose is it all going to be? I thank God for everything He's blessed me with. But there's a difference between Him giving you something and you coveting it. Because I can live without what he gives me. But if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, he'll add things to me. And I can receive those things without guilt because I didn't pursue them. I was pursuing him, not them. But covetousness is idolatry. So what does that mean? It means I'm coveting something. Where on some level in my mind or heart or life, I believe XYZ is going to make my life better and my life me a better person. Really? I'm not saying we shouldn't want to help people in need. That's, we're Christians. We're supposed to want to help people that are in need because that's what Christ did. That's not the point I'm making here. Not looking for an excuse to not care about people. That's not the point. The point is, what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Now, there are some people that believe in new beginnings that God didn't give them. How many times have they been married now? They keep thinking that if they change mates, that their life is suddenly going to be so much better. Hear me, please. (laughs) There's far more faithful, there's far more blessing in being faithful to a vow than there is breaking that vow, looking for happiness. Oh, but I'm miserable. Yeah, I'll tell you what the Lord told me He said, there's only one person you can change in this relationship. And you can quit, you can keep blaming whatever unhappiness you have on her because she won't do this and she won't stop doing that or whatever. But there's only one person you can change in this relationship and that's you. You have no power or right to try to change her. And the idea is that if she changed, I would suddenly be happy. And yet that's, this is really what our world thinks. And so you try out marriage for a few months or a couple of years and find out you married a human, not a God. You married a human. You know, don't we all look nice standing before the preacher? And unless you test drove the car before marriage... You don't really even know that person. Oh, that's right. Even test driving the car before marriage doesn't mean you know them at all. Because over the years, we've had people that lived together for years come and get saved, and they got married. And all of a sudden, a happy home wasn't happy anymore. How can that be? Look, they've been living together X Y Z number of years. Yeah. But when you don't have a vow and there's no legally binding commitment, you can't ever be yourself because you're afraid they'll walk. And I don't care how well you know that person until you've been married with them, married to them. See, when you're not married, you're all concerned about morning breath. But when you're married... It's amazing how fast your concern over morning breath dissipates. And you try to kiss your loved one and you go, Where did that come from? They never smell like this all that time. And the awareness hits you. Oh my, I've married a human, not a god. I've married a human, not an angel. What is all of that? And I know I've gone on and on here. But what is all of that? All of that is man's attempt to not have to face reality. This is just a breath. Life is just a vapor. Life is just A vapor. A vapor Life is just a vapor. I mean, it's a little more than a month till I'll be 72. And how does my brain work same way yours does? When I'm in the zero, one, two, three, four numbers of a decade, I've got the whole rest of this decade to go. But when you hit the five number and you start counting down. You go, oh, God, I'm that close to 80? 80, eight, 0, really, seriously, and then I look and see how quickly 60 to 70 went, I'm going, whoa, I hope my wife is looking for a card, happy 80th birthday, because she's going to need to get it quick. As fast as time goes. Because there's ultimately, there's one ultimate new beginning when you leave this life. And please hear me nobody determines where that new beginning goes but you. God cannot and will not violate your choice. And every day I'm making choices that contribute to that ultimate choice. Every day. Every day. Every day. The Bible says, here, get this. The Bible says, redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time. Has there ever been a time in our lives? Where there's more things available to just consume time? I mean, when you get bored of one time consuming thing, you can switch easily to some other time consuming thing and then to some other time consuming thing and and by the time you know it, it's time to go to bed and and then you get up and you do what you gotta do and now you got, you, you don't have any time because I got all this time consuming stuff I gotta keep up with. And when you do that, it just goes like this. That's not seconds. That's not minutes. That's not even hours. Sometimes, if you're blessed, it's just a day. Other times, it's weeks and months and years. Can anybody tell me where 2017 went? I don't know where it went. And by the time February is over for me, I will have flown close to 20,000 miles and spoken probably a total of 30 hours at minimum. Probably longer than that, actually. i not counting individual services. And it will be March before I know it. And I will have already been 72. And there's only one source of hope. The God of new beginnings. (laughs) Put it on the screen for me please. Psalms 32 and 1. Blessed is the man. Psalms 32 and 1. Blessed is the man. Whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Next verse. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Next verse. When I kept silence, my bone waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Next verse. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. (laughs) He said, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more you talk about a new beginning there's not one single individual in here including your sweet old granny who would want a video of their thoughts and actions played on the screen for all to see I stand here not based on my goodness but on his blood alone I stand here as someone that's as thankful as anybody that over all these 72 years he has forgiven my sins and remembers them no more. I'm thankful that I stand here covered by his robe of righteousness. And the greatest new beginning there is is when you're buried in the waters of baptism into his death and you rise again to walk in newness of life. And then he fills you with his new life, resurrecting you by his spirit. New beginning. Do you know how sad it is when Christianity has dumbed down the plan of salvation to simply confessing a few words and nothing of any... Deep spiritual significance happens, and people say those words, and then their heart of heart, they say to themselves, "Is this all there is? But the New Testament plan of salvation <sighs> I personally never baptized anybody that didn't come up out of the water feeling clean inside. Had nothing to do with being wet on the outside. They they felt clean on the inside. And when a person truly receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is unmistakable. It's supernatural. It's unmistakable. Because it is a new beginning. And that's why he said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a the man be born of, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, "Am I supposed to crawl back inside my mother's womb and be born?" And Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom." Jesus used the analogy of birth, of natural birth. To describe the revolutionizing transformation of going from inside of your mother's womb to this life as it being that dramatic. It's that dramatic. Now, the problem is we have flesh. And we have an adversary. And our flesh working with our adversary and him working with our flesh wants to convince us that nothing really happened. Why? (sighs) About 75% of your body is made up of water, and there's one very important principle of water, property of water. Water seeks its lowest level and your flesh is made up of water, and flesh seeks its lowest level. Everybody's flesh seeks its lowest level, and becoming born again doesn't take your flesh away. So First John 1 says, If we say we have no sin... We're a liar. And the truth is not in us. But he says, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, from all, from our, of us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A new beginning. You see, because when I understand forgiveness and I know and believe the word of God, the Spirit of God instantly lets me know when I have violated the Word. And I can experience a new beginning every moment that I'm willing to confess and repent. He is the God of new beginnings. Now, I know that some will use that teaching as an excuse But I'm not going to downplay the truth because some will use it as an excuse to their own destruction. Because I would not be standing here today. One, just a few days after my 72nd birthday, I will have had the Holy Ghost 60 years. And trust me, There's never been one of those days I didn't need a Savior. There hasn't been even one single part of a day I didn't need a Savior. But the awesomeness of all this is I have a Savior. I remember the message that I preached the day my dad got saved. It was the last Sunday of December, 1979. And I preached. I have a Savior. And I preached about the shepherds in the field and the shouting and the joy over the realization that the world now I had a Savior. I have a Savior. I have a Savior. I can't save myself. I don't save myself. I have a God that knows what, how He created me. And He gave me flesh to live in. And He knew the influence of that flesh upon me. And He uses that as the test... To see if I will choose Him over my own flesh. I'm thankful for every moment of every day that I make the right choice. But there are some days I don't. There are some times of even the best days, I don't make the right choice. I choose what's convenient for the flesh. But my God, who's the God of new beginnings, has promised me this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Has that verse ever been true in your life? (laughs) It really has been true in mine. Every moment. That I believed and walked in a new beginning. That may not have stayed that way. (laughs) But at that moment. Old things have passed away. Old all things have become new. The day you know everything you're supposed to know. Have all the wisdom you're supposed to have. It's the day you will live, you will breathe your last breath. It's the day your heartbeat will stop beating. Your heart will stop beating the day that you've learned everything you're supposed to learn, experienced everything you're supposed to experience, gained every bit of wisdom and knowledge you're supposed to gain. Because it will be time for birth from this womb to the next place. Because all of this has been for the purpose of fulfilling his eternal purpose in what the scripture calls in comparison to this, which is temporal life, eternal life, life that will never end. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every individual that's in this place today. You and I both know who's talked today. You and I both know that you're the only one that could be the source of this today. I have no right to take any credit for what you said. By your grace, I've not added to or taken away from what you've chosen to say today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak a hedge of angelic protection around this word in every heart and mind and life in which this seed has been sown today. This is your seed, not mine. It's your word, not mine. These are your people, not mine. Their salvation is in your power alone and not mine. And I commit them to you afresh and new in this new year, in this new day, in this new moment. That we will learn how to live in fellowship with you in eternity. By learning how to live with you in fellowship in every moment of this temporal life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As I conclude, let me say this to you again. I am crusading against the Christian religion. Because it's a perversion of the biblical faith. True Christianity is alive. It's life. It's real. Fellowshipping with him is life. It's real. You know how you can tell somebody that's not really participating in faith, they're participating in religion, By the stuff they have a problem with. By the stuff they get all caught up in. By the stuff they allow to come between them and the Savior. I beg of you this day, in this new beginning to this year, in Jesus' name, is there any way you will let Him put a resolve in your heart. I'm going to renounce practicing my faith as a religion. I'm going to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to fellowship with him. I want to trust him. I want to depend upon him. I want to surrender to him. I want to please him rather than anybody else. In Jesus' name, is there any way you would be willing to renounce religion and find true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ today? Is there any way you would do that? I'm not giving an altar call because this is for every one of us. Every one of us. Not every one of you, every one of us. Because you know what I find? Religion is so insidious, it seeps back into whatever cracks that happen in this earthen vessel. And I need the, I need the Lord to, to purge me all over again. You've probably read this, but the word sincere was a Latin term because the markets would sell clay pots. Sometimes those pots would get cracked. And the seller would, would fill up those cracks with wax so that they looked like a whole vessel. And you bought it, you took it home, and you put something warm in it, and it melted the wax. And so the, the cracks would show up. I'm just an earthen vessel. I want to be without wax. I want all the cracks that occur in my life to be filled by the grace of God alone. No sham, no put on, no fake false front, but truth, truth. I want I want the cracks in my life to be filled with him and not with something I have created with my hands so that I look good on the outside, but in here I'm full of dead men's bones. I want that. I long for that. In Jesus' name. It, uh, it's sometimes really discouraging when you love people and you want to see them find everything God has for them. They just seem to have so many priorities that are completely at odds with what's best for their soul. And seem to resent you when you point those out. But I've said nothing today from a motive of criticism. What I've said today, as the Lord has given me the words to say, has been for the purpose of challenging you to be honest with yourself. The Bible calls the Word of God a mirror. (laughs) <laughs> Never in my life have I ever experienced that. But the screen on here, when I'm reading the Word, I can actually see myself sometimes. Which is really only the real purpose of what the Word's supposed to be. The Word is supposed to be a mirror of our souls. I want to look in the Word and see me. See where I am in my relationship with God. See it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these precious people. Thank you, Father, for what you're desiring to do in their life. I speak grace, mercy, and peace upon them. In Jesus' name, that they would be able to receive these things that you have for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, some have had to leave. that's okay, but just for a moment here, would you find someone to pray with close by? just let's just pray one for another as we conclude this service because we're not in this alone. we're in this together. We're in this together. We are in this together, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive your grace, Father, to work in us, both the will and the do of your good pleasure. We confess, Father, that without you we can do nothing. We confess, Father, that without you we can do nothing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ when you need to go you're welcome to go but if you don't have to go can we just pray for a moment or two here come on come on let's just pray one for another the bible says for us to pray one for another bear one another's burdens i don't want to be saved alone I want everybody that will to be saved too. Come on. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Alleluia, Hallelujah! 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 Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Ye kiye coloro ro mu kura ta ta ra ta ta Ye kiye colora ta Ye coloro ta mu kura ta ta Ye la ra ta ta A coloro la ro ta mu koshaya. Ye kiye coloro ta mu koshaya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The pastor will be here tonight, so you survived. God bless you. Shake hands, be friendly, and stay warm. Praise God.